This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. So devoted to this show are we that we just crashed here last night. We're all slept in the same clothes. Wearing the exact same thing we wore on yesterday's show. Todd smells like a badger. (laughs) Tis the season. Or it could just be that uh, this show was recorded on Tuesday so that we could squeeze an extra day of vacation. Who's a good boss? Aaron's like, hey, could we just record Wednesday's show and, and take that day off too? And who was the good boss that said, you know what? Yes. Yes, underling. Yeah. We may do so. Right? Yeah. You didn't yeah. really like mullet and weigh pros and cons. No, you're, you're like, like yes. tell me yes. more. Yes. How about, can we do more than that? A thousand times, yes. Week? There was a certain vibe of, I'm glad you suggested this. <laughs> I was going to, but I'm not the one that has to do all the pre-production work. You are, so I didn't want to tax you. But since you brought it up, Listen, you bet. I'm happy to just sit here the, and talk some more. You this bet. is the second second double taping day in a row, because uh, we did one a couple months ago. Right? It's actually gone really smooth. Yo, so oh, far. No. Oh, no. Why did I say that? You know long? what? Yes! You know what's going to happen now? 888-900-3393 is the number, but don't call it because we're not here. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show, and the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, is coming up here at the bottom of the hour. We've got a full hour of buy, sell, or hold coming your way next hour. Always looking forward to that each and every Wednesday, even when it's on a Tuesday, Solomon Grundy. But we've got something special for you for today's what happened while we were away. We're going to look back at some of the the best of the worst that we have seen during the the, the first four because there have been two there have been doubleheaders both times right yep so the first four democratic presidential primary debates we're going to look at some of the worst that we've seen and then we're going to have a conversation about the worst because they're going to have round three shortly after labor day And what would happen if we were permitted to moderate those debates? We're going to have that conversation. But first, watch why we might be needed. The Democratic debates have given us lots of warm, gooey feelings and a plethora of sound bites to last a lifetime. Here are some of the highlights of the debates thus far. We'll start with Spanish. On January 20th, 2021, we'll say together, adios to Donald Trump. Necesitamos incluir. Es de presidente ha atacado. Llamo Julian Castro. Global warming. Because climate change is an economic crisis. It's a public health crisis. It's a... Crisis! It threatens our universe! This is going to be a tough truth, but we are too late. We are 10 years too late. We need to do everything we can to start moving the climate in the right direction, but we also need to start moving our people to higher ground. Abortion. Uh, I don't believe only in reproductive uh, freedom. I believe in reproductive justice. And... You know, what that means is that just because a woman, or let's also not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female, uh, is poor, doesn't mean they shouldn't have 
exercise that right to choose. Bashing Christians. Like, the minimum wage is just too low. And so-called conservative Christian senators right now in the Senate are blocking a bill to raise the minimum wage. Immigration. Raise your hand if, gover- if your government plan would provide coverage for undocumented immigrants. Clarify, would you decriminalize yes. illegal border crossings? The point is not about criminalization. Healthcare. This has to be the party that's not afraid to say out loud, we're going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. Bernie acknowledges three tr- $30 trillion has to ultimately be paid. And I don't know what math you do in New York. I don't know what math you do anywhere in California. But I tell you, that's a lot of money. Yeah, and I, I think if we're going to force Americans to make these radical changes, they're not going to go along. You, you throw your hands up, but you, you haven't. Imp- oh, why'd you do it? Racism. I also want to say there's something that sets me apart from all my colleagues running in this race. And that is for the last 21 years, I've been raising a black son in America. When our schools are as segregated today as they were 50 years ago. I think as a white woman of privilege who is a U.S. Senator running for President of the United States, it is also my responsibility to lift up those voices that aren't being listened to. And I can talk to those white women in the suburbs that voted for Trump and explain to them what white privilege actually is. And Marianne Williams. This is part of the dark underbelly of American society. The racism, the bigotry, and the entire conversation that we're having here tonight. If you think any of this wonkiness is going to deal with this dark psychic force of the collectivized hatred that this president is bringing up in this country, then I'm afraid that the Democrats are going to see some very dark days. We need to say it like it is. It's bigger than Flint. It's all over this country. It's particularly people of color. It's particularly people who do not have the money to fight back. And if the Democrats don't start saying it, then why would those people feel that they're there for us? And if those people don't feel it, they won't vote for us. And Donald Trump will win. I have an idea about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not going to be beaten just by insider politics talk. He's not going to be beaten just by somebody who has plans. He's going to be beaten by somebody who has an idea what this man has done. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field and sir, love you. <laughs> it's the worst use of Edward Elgar's pomp and circumstances probably ever. Sorry guys. I'm ruining that too. I is she going to be in the next debates? Did she make it or she She out? made it in that one Monmouth poll, I believe. Did or maybe she? it was the morning okay. consult poll. Because I think the Monmouth poll, by the way, was bad news for Tom Steyer. I don't think he's making it because of that poll. Hmm. I think he needs one more. Actually, is what I read. She's a total... Th- I mean, there, there. bear with me here, okay? There is a... I'm nervous. There's a cross of gold speech quality to her oratory oh Oh, it's creepy she's really she's really charismatic yeah she's she is fant she's a fantastic crafter of words and elevating the spirit of a room now it might be not a good spirit i've just but it's the kind of stuff that you you, mean for for a republican or a conservative to talk like that 
We've been begging for that for somebody with that fire in the belly who isn't just doing talking points, who sure. isn't always triangulating. I mean, people, there is something that is genuinely inspiring about her mastery of that craft. I mean, it's well, it's one thing people say about you when they've kind of heard about you and they've heard what you say but they've heard other people say this and then they get in a room with you and they're like whoa you 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 say things in a way i've never heard it before and then i just bust out spontaneously with the beatles all you need is love right yeah yeah and that's your that's your mic drop what you're what you're describing is the priestess at the asherah pole yep yeah I mean, well, she gets she, it for a reason. Or, or, she sounds or, or, like it. Or she the maypole, sounds like, if you yeah. prefer. She okay. sounds like it too. Uh, you know, when she yodel, starts to yodel, um, you know, with her voice. I mean, it, it is. Yeah, it, she's very charismatic. I mean, no, that, no, that, I totally agree. And then it usually ends with you in, with in, 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 yeah. you know, in a, in a tower of wicker, burned yep. alive. Yep. But until that point, or catching some sexually transmitted disease with the uh, the ash the uh, the asterisk, uh, uh, you know, uh, prostitutes. But until that point, though. I will agree. And until the point that you need the, the you know to head to the drugstore for that cream or flame retardant, until that point you're right, it is incredibly captivating and charismatic. <laughs> No, Other but I know that, what, I know what you're saying. She's got a lovely singing voice. Yes, indeed. But there's a reason he could get away with uh uh, the, the cross. I mean, he he showed my William Jennings. William Bryan. Jennings Bryan. Like, yeah. I mean, he actually showed up to these Democratic uh, uh, not debates, but um, when they're, they're um, Conventions? Convention. Thank yeah. you for filling in all the blanks on what I'm saying. But he showed up as a reporter once, got sick of it, and went up there and get you know. And then they say, "Oh yeah, you're clearly the best guy at this." That wasn't either nominee two or three times. Oh yeah, because yeah. of this. Yeah. Back when, if you were black, you couldn't get into the Democratic convention. Actually, you know, blacks were not admitted to de- the Democrat Party conventions till like 1924. You're only saying that because you're racist. <laughs> yes. All right, so this portion of the show brought to you by our friends at Riduzone. If you've ever wondered why you're struggling to control your appetite as you try to get healthier and lose weight, it, it may not be willpower. It might be your nature. Your bodies were made for survival. And so when you start denying yourself calories, um, your body can kind of uh, uh, revolt and, against that. When you start denying yourself sugar, you go through those withdrawal symptoms, right? All right, so no matter how much we eat, this can happen to you. Now, luckily, your body does naturally produce a molecule called OEA, which sends a signal from the belly to the brain that the belly is full. Unfortunately for too many of us, that signal just isn't strong enough. It needs a boost. Thankfully, Riduzone is here to provide it. Uh, FDA accepted Riduzone was developed to provide the OEA we need to bridge that gap. It's safe, vegetarian, and a gluten-free supplement that simply tells your body, stop eating, you're full. And right now, if you want to get 30% off of a three-month supply of Riduzone, use my name, Steve, as a promo code when you go to the website, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, for riduzone.com. So after that montage, let's say they came to us and, and they said, guys, we've had, maybe it's just, we've had way too much medicinal marijuana. But we think we need the trio on the Steve Day show to moderate the next Democratic debate. But there's got to be some ground rules. You can ask any question about anything you want, but you each can only ask three questions. All right? Each of you get three questions, and they can be any three questions you want, but they can only be three questions to ask these Democratic presidential candidates. 
So we're each going to share with you what our questions will be. Now, I've not seen Todd's or Aaron's yet. I'm going to see them in real time, okay? But I'll start with mine. One at a time, we'll take these. Here are the questions I'd ask. Number one, do you believe truth can evolve? And if so, how do you know what you believe to be true right now won't evolve to be found to be untrue later? And if that's the case, how can you be certain of anything you're saying at this moment right now? Gentlemen, your thoughts on that question? It's like the most Dacian question yeah. ever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of them would spontaneously combust. Which one? Hear, Let's take bets. It. Which one? Oh, I'd put it, uh, I, I'd put probably uh, seven over two or seven, seven, yeah, seven to two odds. Seven to two odds. On, would Joe Biden look at me and say, don't don't try that, young on, man? On, on, <laughs> on Julian Castro, probably. He'd say it in Spanish, though. Yeah. <laughs> His head would explode in Spanish. Yeah, and T fuego. Todd, why did you say that's the most Dacian question ever? Because parenthetically, we know that down... It's basically saying, why are you such a jackass? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. But I said it nicely. We've been friends a long time. Yes. I know you. Yep. You know me. Yep. Uh, let's get to question number two. Here's the second question I'd ask. Do you believe our rights come from God? And if they do, which God? And what does he, she, it, or they demand of us? Aaron, your thoughts on that question? Oh, this one's pretty. Uh, this one's pretty easy to skirt. Um, they can just say, uh, "Yeah, I believe." Uh, I, I, they could give some sort of uh, syncretistic, uh, unitarian universalist uh, answer, and then uh, they can. They basically will put themselves. What do I demand of me? Well, I just want everybody to be nice to each other. Basically, Todd. Well, it'd be something Marianne Williamson-esque, yep. uh, or it would um, basically be a version of the, uh, was, it, was it Harris? Yeah, she's been banging that drum, freedom to uh, worship instead of freedom of religion. Yes. It would basically yeah. ends at the church house door, whatever you want to, uh, fl whatever floats your boat there on Sunday when you check the box at 11, but you know, you park it right there. It'll be, it would be one of those two things. You think they would affirm that our rights come from God? Uh, oh, that no. part. No. Oh, no. Okay. no. no. Well, there's a reason no. why I put that part first. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Overlooked that. Yeah. All right. The third and final question. <laughs> do you want to add to that? I just laughed in, on the inside and didn't refuse to <laughs> yeah. entertain it as realistic, I think. All right. Here's the third question I'd ask. What are the laws of nature and nature's God referenced in the Declaration of Independence? And what did you use to determine your answer? Todd. Well, you'll see. I, I have a question uh, like this. Uh, make, sh make sure you take them to something in our founding documents or something like that and watch whether they acknowledge them in any way, shape, or form as continuing to be relevant whatsoever or if they basically just speed right by them as being uh, i mean it speaks to what you're talking about you're you're and this is you are like there's a hermeneutic here yeah the, the first all, one is yes the first one is yes how do you know what you know is true yeah. in fact i was originally going to ask just that question and then i thought no i gotta put a couple layers on it well okay? you're doing one of those things like they do in those like 
they give them to married couples where they ask the same question yeah. multiple ways yep. and they scatter them throughout yep. Yep. because you're looking for a consistency of yes. thought. Yeah. It's a, it's a provoking, it's, it, this is a, this is a provocative hermeneutic. Yes. I'm, I'm expressing one provocatively to provoke, to find out what theirs is. All right. So the first one is, how do you know what you know to be true? The second one is, where do our rights come from? All right. And is government, is God, God? And if so, who's God? And, mm-hmm. Or is government God? And then the third one is, where does the law come from? And I was just going to ask that. And then I thought, no, I better put more specifics on it. So there you go. But no, it's important. You, you got to actually make them wrestle with something that's n- that's tangible in in the American, uh, yes. know, something July 4th-esque, yes. you know, and see if they have totally rejected it. Yes, I, I'm not just going to ask them what their thoughts are on applied can you know it's too canon. esoteric yeah. yeah i'm gonna ask it's got to be specific to americana yeah. you're right all right i'm gonna let you go next it's oh, me oh you're next yeah. Aaron. I'm, I'm sorry go ahead yeah uh, that's all right uh, i i basically had the same strategy as you did believe it or not just with uh much much shorter questions which means uh, my, they're probably better m- my first question um question number one what's an innie <laughs> follow-up question what's an Audi? <laughs> i would pay real money I mean, and I mean it like real money. First of all, I don't know how much money we'd have left. You'd need armed security to get out of that arena for asking that question. <laughs> and you think I'm kidding? No, I would. I mean, no, I'm I'm dead. I hope you're yep. packing. Yep. I mean, those folks will I mean, they'll lose their damn minds over that question. But could you even imagine what like? Could you imagine the memes and the gifts that could be created with close-ups of the looks on their face mm-hmm. when you ask them what's an innie and what's an Audi? Yep. Yeah, it's a basically another uh, way of uh, of um, determining what is it uh, is it soteriology. How do you know uh, what epistemology? You know? Epistemology. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, how do you know what you know to be true, and how do you know that that's true? Uh, that's basically another. How, how would you determine what an innie is? What how would you determine what an Audi is? I mean, that's that's another way of asking. That's a very basic form of uh, of understanding truth. I mean, it's 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 uh, kind of an immutable question. Uh, could you imagine Elizabeth Warren the close up on her face? Hello, darkness, my yeah. friend. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. Uh, is human nature basically good? That was originally going to be one of yeah. my questions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, we all know. And here, here's why that was originally my number one question. Yeah. And then I deleted it. Here's why I did. Because at this point, we know what their answer is. So I'm almost more interested in asking the Republicans that question. Mm-hmm. Right? So, but that's a, that's a good one. What are your thoughts, Todd? About whether human nature is uh, no, the quality about of the that question? is a question. Yeah. Well, of course, it's a a, a great question. I, uh, and Aaron did make a point of making it uh, shorter. Again, I would have just to force them to address something specific. I would have just I would have put some meat on the bone, like you did with the specific when you said the um, what the Declaration of Independence in that question is that what I liked about yeah, the laws of nature and nature's uh, yeah, God. And that's there, I, yeah, and, I would have yes. just given something like that to make them grab onto it. Uh, and then my final question is: If I identify as a serial killer, will you protect my right to live my truth? That's that's fantastic. your best one. Not that the other two were bad, that's but that oh. that is that is a perfect hoisting from your own petard. Yes. So yeah, I, I yeah. just I, I want to say that I, I think uh, I think I, I was just trying to do the same thing that you did. I mean, th- I think, that's a perfect because they're cornered. Yeah. Because if they say, "Hey, 
you don't have the right to Absolutely. murder someone. You respond back. Well, what if what if I'm turning into yeah. a Planned Parenthood? Then do I have a right to murder somebody? Yeah. And if and and then if they give you any other answer, they have to affirm the idea that I'm whatever I identify as. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a really good one. All right, we be in on that one. Grazie. All right, Erzin, your turn. Well, this is the one I was telling you about. Who is your favorite founding father uh, and why? Uh, behind that are versions of the generalized question uh, that you asked. But I, I, I can't even imagine who the people on the stage that we just got say. Who I mean, would they all say? All of our lives until three minutes ago, you know, the Republicans used to always be yeah. the Lincoln dinner yeah, people. Yeah. And, and until three minutes ago, they were the Jefferson Jackson dinner people. And, and now they're and now they're racist, rip, and they can't have their dinner. So who would it be? And they're ripping down the statues of these guys. So Susan, what they, I, I was going to say Susan B. Anthony. I'm thinking actually of uh, Betsy Ross. Betsy yeah. Ross is a terrible person. Right. We can't have the Betsy Ross flag, right? So the answers they give, if they try to answer it and lie, are just going to be tragically bad. Or if they start, and you get them the all tr- on tape saying yeah. they think America is a racist yeah. country, and yeah, do you hear? I like this one a lot. Do you think Biden would have the balls? If he's going to be the only candidate that's not for Medicare for all, think he'd have the balls to say, I understand we've learned some things in our modern era about Andrew Jackson and Thomas Jefferson that by what we know about race relations today simply aren't acceptable. Um, And I'm fine if you want to, if we are going to change the names of our party's dinners as a result of that. But I also don't think we should completely fail to recognize without the accomplishments of those sorts of men, however flawed and problematic they may have been. None of us would be here having the the, the opportunity to debate any of these issues that we care about right now. Think you have the balls to say something along those lines? Maybe five years ago, but no. Not now? Okay. Your next question. Should members of Antifa who own a bakery have to bake a mega cake? <laughs> ah, that's great. Yes. That's the best question that's been asked yet, I think. Yep. That's a that's a 15 out of a 10. That's I would also say the same thing to you though. I said to him about the Indian the Audi. Yeah. Have security. Oh, well, yeah. Antifa's- you need to get out of that building. Waiting and I, what I like, I mean, I like the same things with Indian and Audis. It's it has it has some, and this has something very very tangible, actions that people can immediately envision what it means. It goes beyond just theory, and is very experiential uh, for people. So you, you're communicating in a way that a lot of people can understand, and it won't get too esoteric. I mean that yes, that is appropriately snotty. It hits all of the worldview sweet spots. It would absolutely go viral. That's you, that's a thing of beauty. Did you ever? Did you, did you guys ever watch the movie uh, Passenger with Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer? I Lawrence? never got around to it. Yes. it's not. It's not. Um, I it's would good. Say, yeah, it, it's 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 pretty good. Todd, you remember the scene in Passenger where uh, where Chris Pratt's p- character is talking to the robot android bartender, yes. and uh, and Pratt says, "Yes, I've woken up." And that's not supposed to happen. That that is that is so far outside the realm of possibility. As they are on this huge starship, you know, in um, in you know, uh, in their deep slumber, as they go to another planet, this is so far out of the realm of possibility that the android just cannot compre- comprehend it. And he does this little, yep, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's exactly that's exactly what I think a lot of the uh, candidates would say after after listening to that. That's an ex- what you did with that question. And Aaron Aaron came close with the in and the Audi, but you you both I, I thought you did a little bit better job. Both of you though, what you're doing is you're figuring out how in the own the libs clickbaity culture. Mm-hmm. Can we use that level of snotty pithiness yeah. to get to the heart to the to the 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 heart of the worldview matter, right? Yeah, and this is which is about what you talked about with Darwinism and why uh, it's so important um, to take that away as the foundation of so much progressive mm-hmm. thinking. Mm-hmm. Because th- this question, it 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 talks about specifics. Uh, which I just got done laying out, but talking about those specifics points to the generalized notion of how absurd progressivism is writ large. I mean, the whole thing is just a fraud. Final question. Does feminism currently identify more with a guy winning a girl's track meet than it does with a pregnant woman who lets her baby live? Mm. Give us some, 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 Give us some some context to this. Why did you decide to juxtapose these two things? Well, again, it's 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 not just theoretical. It's actually happening now. You we just saw yes yesterday on the Tuesday show with uh, Beto O'Rourke surrounded by people applauding hysterically about after he fried hamburgers. Yeah. with English muffins. Yeah. Yes, that um, infanticide is cool. That's the right of the mom. That is, the, and and ultimately, uh, this has been the road we've been on with feminism. This is the natural conclusion of its mania to applaud that, but to stand by while stadiums are full of girls athletes who are living their truth ostensibly according to the same strain of feminism, and a man who feels pretty can put on a dress and say, "I'm one of you," and take that all away. Again, it's absurd. It is utterly upside down, but that's where we live right now. Tell me, and Aaron, you can chime in on this as well. We got a couple minutes here, right? Yep. Before the break? Yep. Tell me how, because I want to use the word juxtapose again so I sound smart with the A. Juxtapose how you think a, a true believer in f- woke feminist ideology like Elizabeth Warren vis-a-vis a craven opportunist like Kamala Harris who will sleep with sweaty old men when it'll get her where she wants to go and then you know bust out the Betty for Dan when it's convenient at that point in time. Tell me how, juxtapose how you think the two of them would respond to the contradiction you think you're trying to point out. Oh, it, even with that difference there, it's a dis... Uh, it, they both just ultimately turn it around and talk about the bigotry, the inherent bigotry of the que- the, the question. The the question only a bigot would even ask this yeah, question. Yeah, that's that's a that's a white privilege question. That is a heteronormative some kind of question. It would be something along those lines. So you don't think, even if it was politically advantageous for her, you don't think Kamala Harris would use this as a point of privilege to differentiate herself from Elizabeth Warren? Uh, I don't. I don't see off the top of my head. I don't see it. Okay. What do you think, Aaron? Well, I mean, just kind of the, some final thoughts on this entire conversation. Um, there's a reason for the whole phrase "down the rabbit hole." I mean, that's an allusion to uh, to Alice in Wonderland, right? Yep. 
And uh, Alice in Wonderland is a form of, uh, of surrealism, I believe. And all of these conversations that we have on a daily basis, especially this one, where we're, we're talking about the Democrats who have been so given over to leftist Marxism, progressive spirit of the age, progressivism. I feel I feel like Alice perpetually now every day and this conversation uh drilled down to that again i feel like alice coming upon upon the the tea party where it's do you guys remember that 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 scene i mean it's just nonsense and most of that most most of that that story is nonsense but coming upon that scene and it there's just weird characters just popping off randomly about random stuff (laughs) randomly it's it is it it is just Again, surreal, taking all of this in on a daily basis. Hmm. Those were good questions overall. And that's exactly why none of us, barring direct divine intervention, none of us are ever going to get a chance to do something like this. Hell, there's even less of a chance we'd get to moderate a Republican debate, guys. You realize yeah, that, right? Yeah. And, and, I mean, we're, we're in negative integers, on the Democratic side, but on the Republican side, man, it's, you'd have to go to another earth in the multiverse because how many of the Republicans could, would struggle with a lot of those questions? Almost all of them. A lot of them would, which is one of the reasons we're in the predicament we're in. Daniel Horowitz, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation will be joining us here in just a matter of moments. Buy, seller, hold still coming your way. Stay tuned. More in a moment. No matter where it leads, the Steve Day Show. Hey, I don't want to belabor the point, all right, but when you have a massive data breach like what just happened with Amazon and Capital One and it's over 100 million identities are now caught in the crosshairs, again, those first 60 days after a major data breach like that are vital in protecting what's yours. And I know a lot of you have identity identity theft protection already. And if you don't, by the way, I mean, you're playing with fire. But here's the thing, even if even if with all that information now they have on you, even if they can't, uh, you know, raid your PayPal account, if they if they can't get a credit card in your name, what they now may have, though, the last four digits of a social security number. Why is that key? Because that might be what you enter into um, when, when, when you go to a website to claim that you're you. Or when you get on the phone with somebody and you claim you're you, they might want to verify your identity. How might they do that? Last four digits of a social, for example. And that makes your home title vulnerable once more, maybe even more so, because now that they've got that information, they can go on to your mortgage lender's website, your well, the, the, the county or state website where your home title is kept, claim that they're you, sign their home title over to themselves, liquidate your equity, and then stick you with the payments. All right, don't let this happen to you, especially when our friends at Home Title Lock right now are offering you 60 days of risk-free protection during this time that you're the most vulnerable. All right, 60 risk-free days of protection available to you right now at hometitlelock.com. That's hometitlelock.com. And now we go to our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, our good friend Daniel Horowitz. It is good to see you again, my friend. How are you? I need another vacation, Steve. I need a big vacation. 
Come on. I'm, you know, you, you get to go on vacation now. I do. What about me? Yes. This is, and for folks wondering, did I sleep in these clothes? No, we, we taped Wednesday's show yesterday. That's why we're all wearing the same clothes. So we could take as much vacation time as we possibly could. But uh, we've got to squeeze a little bit more out of you, Daniel, before we say goodbye for the week. So I want to get your take on on the, the Monmouth poll that came out yesterday. And uh, we spent a good deal of time talking about it, both on this show and in the overtime uh, here at Blaze TV. And I'm a firm believer that really the only polling that matters is Iowa and New Hampshire because those people are going to vote first and how they vote is going to shape the race from there. But I, I have found it fascinating that the left media loves the results of the poll. I've seen conservative media pushing back on it. Well, it's just an outlier. Well, well. by the way, over at 538, Monmouth is rated one of its highest rated public pollsters. It's of the over 50 they rank, it's one of only like six that has an A-plus rating. The, the Politico poll that came out that still had Biden with a double-digit lead, it's a mediocre B-minus pollster. So what do you think? Is it an outlier or the beginning of a trend? What's your read? You know, Steve, I don't know the polls much. I haven't spent much time on it, but here's what I do know. Nothing has happened the last couple of weeks since that second debate that would lead to a death spiral in Biden's numbers or a resurgence in anyone else's numbers. If anything, everyone feels he got destroyed in the first debate, but did much better in the second debate. So that's why I just have a hard time believing that somehow you know, Biden has has tanked. I am still of the belief, and this election will prove whether I'm right or wrong, that most Americans, and that includes more than a majority of Democrat voters, are not alt-left. They are not for the decivilization agenda. Now, even though you and I both know that Joe Biden has signed on to that, most people associate with him of being a man from the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, predating the alt-left. So he is viewed, rightfully or wrongfully, as a moderate Um now, the thing going against him is the fact that he can't really be seen in public without making a fool out of himself with all the gaffes. But I don't know if anything has happened recently that really is responsible for that. You know, I think if you remember when you were following Cruz's race closely in the Republican primary with Trump, you could usually associate most polling trends with a specific event or a series of events, whether it's a gaffe on the part of one, a certain breakout moment on the part of another candidate. I, th that's why I just find Monmouth polling results to be bizarre. You don't think it could be the results of all these gaffes because we haven't had the debates for the last couple of weeks. What has been the most highlighted item in the democratic field more than anything else? His gaffes. I mean, his gaffes have really been the only story in the democratic primary I, field in the last two weeks. I don't know, Steve, because there's, there's been a lot going on, but then again, how many people actually see it? I mean, th this is a dead news cycle. So I think if you're going to have gaffes, now's the time to do it. Um, so that that's why I just don't buy it. I just don't think anyone else has enough name recognition to get there, except for maybe Bernie Sanders. But I think he's kind of stagnating. So you'd have to believe Elizabeth Warren has captured all of his voters. And I just I just don't see it at this point. But we'll find out. Well, given Monmouth's reputation in public polling, it, that's not to say that they're right, but they're, they had to understand that when they put this out there, 
it was going to get scrutinized as a major outlier. It, it, I, I have a high, a hard time believing an A-plus pollster just decided, oh, what the hell? It's August 28, 19. Let's embrace the suck, right? Could this be, the, could this demonstrate, because one of the things we love to do on our show, Daniel, as you know, we want our audience to be smarter. Uh, we, we, we don't like horse bleep narratives, and regardless of which team is peddling them. I think this speaks to perhaps, though, the volatility of, of polling in a primary. Yeah. And, and, and figuring out who's going to actually show up on election day. And then when you go into a state like Iowa, and we, 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 we talked a little bit about this yesterday, one change that was made in the caucus cycle that people aren't highlighting enough is the last couple is, is you know, the last time the Democrats had a, a contested caucus, um, it, it was early January. And it was a three-person race. And a lot of the, the college kids were out of school. They, they weren't back in school yet. And Barack Obama still won that by seven points. Well, now it's going to be in early February. And all of these college kids are back in school. And most of them aren't responding to polls. So what happens in Lynn and Johnson County out there at the University of Iowa, for example? If five or 6,000 uh, you know, college kids who probably wouldn't have voted if it was January 3rd, but since it's going to be February 3rd, show up to vote for Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden ends up finishing third. That's exactly what happened to Hillary Clinton in 2008. And I think, I think at the very least, this probably points to the volatility of a situation like that. Your thoughts? No, that's a really good point. I forgot to mention, if nothing else, it shows the potential for what may happen. Um, I think you're right. In a general election poll, someone's got to be off. Something has to be screwy because you're dealing with inveterately entrenched constituents that, you know, there's only a certain amount that are malleable that could move over from right to left. In this case, in a primary, more or less, people share the same values. It's a question of who. So I think what you have is a situation of Joe Biden and the 20 dwarfs. One guy, former VP, been around forever, everyone knows of him. He has the name ID versus a bunch of people that people never heard of. So it's not just the typical volatility of primary voters where you have two or three candidates that are on equal playing field in terms of name ID and it still could be volatile. Here is a matter of the fact that only one has full name ID and maybe Bernie, I would say, two. Um, and then everyone else is just just a crapshoot. So I think it doesn't take much of a resurgence of several voters from some of the up and coming candidates to skew those numbers. Um, and you're right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It could mean the snapshot is still probably more where the other polls uh, show it for today in August of 2019. But I think that's definitely possible in the future. We, we all agree to that. And I, I think what I th what I think everyone agrees to is that if and when only if Biden busts, there's probably no coming back from that. Um, he's only meaning he's similar to Trump, but very different to Trump. He's similar to Trump in the, in the fact that he has 100 percent name ID and everyone else is splitting the vote 50 million ways. So he's ahead. But where he's different is that Trump was new and exciting and galvanizing a lot of people, whereas Biden, it's literally just it's the vanilla that I've tasted already. Um, you know, once he's down, I don't see him coming back again. One other polling result this week I want to ask you about. Only 22% of Democrats said they're in favor of Medicare for all. 
That means almost 80% of Democrats are not in favor of this. How come Joe Biden is the only Democratic candidate of consequence that is opposed to Medicare for all? Who, who does Kamala Harris... Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are true believers. Let's set them aside, okay? Bernie's a Soviet. Elizabeth Warren is the socialist women's studies professor that annoyed you at college, okay? They're true believers. But the, the, the opportunists here, the Kamala Harris types, the Cory Booker types... Why are they glomming on to something that eight, about 80% of their own voting base doesn't want? Who do, who do they think their voting base is? Well, let me strengthen your question a little bit. Why are they all supporting um, letting out illegal alien child molesters from jail and not turning them over to ICE to remove them from this country? Why did they support harboring other countries' sex offenders? Why do they support reducing sentencing and abolishing prison for the most violent criminals, including gun felons, by the way? Um, pull all of all of those things. I mean, nobody wants what the alt-left is selling. Uh, even, even something as innocuous or kind of meaningless as confederate monuments you saw in the blue state of virginia the way that polled it was against everyone but i think the democrats elites are no different than the gop elites except that they're actually on the same side where they misread the electorate because there is such a wide gap steve between the way the elites think and the people think i mean it's what well, you and i say this all the time between republican donors and republican voters I think for the same reasons we say it, it's true, albeit you know not as far to the right, when you're talking about Democrat voters. But they are inundated and inculcated with every aspect of MSNBC and Twitter and the donors and academia and everyone that they convince themselves people want it. Another thing, I mean, Steve, how many people, if you told them, I'm going to take one of these things and shave off your arm – and have government mandate that taxpayers pay for self-mutilation cutting off your arm. How many people would support that? Well, now, how many people support doing that for your uh, male plumbing? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying... You're right. You, you know, part of I the mean, problem last month is... Pew, last month, Pew reported that in its own exhaustive survey of America's beliefs on the abortion issue... Pew found that only 18% of Americans have the abortion position the, position the entire Democratic Party has. 18%. But, 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 but Steve, so I, I know I danced around that, but to come full circle and answer your question, it's because of Republicans. See, what happens is they are taking land that they're not naturally capturing. They're, they're claiming territory that they didn't really fight for because they're winning it without fighting a shot because the Republican Party doesn't exist. A lot of it, the courts they, they're are They're assuming that free. since the proxy army didn't fight back, that that means the proxy army's proxies are totally okay with what they're doing, it, right? Exactly. Yeah. But at any moment, if we rejuvenated the silent majority and fell upon them, we could completely ambush them because their supply lines are unsecured they're way too embedded well deep into territory that they never captured following that analogy through they've never won hearts and minds on this it's just by default republicans like oh transgender yeah yeah sure sure undocumented transgender it's, it's why most republican you know, election victories are the result of democratic overreach is what you're just is what you're describing it, right now 
Yeah. Exactly. So I'm just saying the same reason we see Republicans can't read the electorate. I don't blame the Democrats for being fooled into that. Every the, is the, the, There's never been anything they have done that is so extreme that Republicans have been like, are you freaking kidding me? And they slam their faces to the concrete <laughs> with it like the left is doing with El Paso. I mean, let me say this, Steve. Let me say this. We have now found the fifth case of an illegal alien arrested for raping a minor while his wife was giving birth to the 10th anchor baby. The latest is 10, 10 anchor babies this guy had in Montgomery County. And this is just a fraction of what we know because there's one good ABC reporter that actually is into this where that doesn't exist anywhere in the country. Imagine if you had a Republican Party that would come back the day after Labor Day and the same way Democrats want to use El Paso as a rallying cry to take away constitutional rights. They would use Montgomery County, Maryland as a rallying cry against sanctuary cities, as a rallying cry for public safety against jailbreak. What would the electorate look like? But Steve, few people outside of this program will even know what happens. So I don't blame the Democrats for not feeling the pressure. Hmm. Only got a few minutes left. Speaking of elites, the death of uh, of David Koch, one of the Koch brothers over the weekend, and watching Bill Maher and, and some prominent lefties on Twitter dance on his grave, when the reality is the kinds of issues that you and I care about and our audiences care about, he was far closer to them on all of those issues than he was to people like us. He, he and his money played a, a pronounced role in moving the Republican Party to the left on those issues at the exact same time. <clears throat> and and uh, for that, as you tweeted back to me when I noted this the other day, no good deed goes unpunished here. For that, uh, he gets his grave urinated on for doing exactly what the people, people like Bill Maher and lefty blue checkmark Twitter wants the Republican Party to look like. David Koch tried to make that happen with millions and millions of do- dollars. So if that's how they view him, what's the lesson there for the rest of us, do you think, Daniel? Oh, my gosh, Steve. And, and look, I hate to joke around about this. God bless him. God, you know, may he rest in peace. I don't know if he believed in God, but certainly, you know, may may his family find comfort. I, I don't like laughing out of someone's death, but I think the lesson you're trying to take away from that is it's emblematic and almost like a metaphor to what goes on with Republicans and so-called conservatives every day vis-a-vis their interaction with the Democrat Party. I mean, this guy, he accomplished for the left, what Soros couldn't accomplish, because Soros just gets the left chinned up. You need to win a majority to get something passed. What Obama couldn't pass with jailbreak was passed by the Koch brothers by funding all the people that wound up in the White House, like Brooke Rollins from the Texas Public Policy Foundation. They're the ones leading on this jailbreak, weak on crime, open borders, homosexual agenda, mm-hmm. anti-Israel, you name it, they have it. Now, people will point to, oh, on the free market, fiscal issues, you know, he's against the Democrats. But I would argue in recent years, what they have been doing for the left is much more potent and much more successful than anything. And they've been much more active in it than anything that they officially stand for on, you know, libertarian economics. They might officially stand for it, but they've not been successful in really pushing any of it. So again, no good deed goes is unpunished the lesson is you 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 sleep with the snakes they're gonna bite you they're gonna strangle you and uh gosh if republicans would learn that lesson we'd be a different country always good to have you with us my friend thank you for joining us have a great uh, rest of the week we'll talk to you next week here after we take some vacay all right god bless take care take care god bless
Aaron, you have any reaction to the conversation we just had with Daniel Horowitz? Well, I think he is right to be a little bit um, trepidatious of um, of the polls. You should always be. I mean, we were just talking last week, and I'm sorry, I know I'm not looking right at the camera. We were just talking last week about um, about how we're not really sure what's going to be what's going to be true. I, I was a little bit. Uh, surprised that he he was a little bit dismissive of the of the Monmouth poll, you know, uh, right or straight away. Uh, but I will say, we, we remind ourselves all the time, Twitter is not America. That's absolutely true. This was not just a Twitter thing, Biden's gaffe, since, gaffes, series of gaffes since the last debate. I've seen this reported on every single network and publication, almost every single network and publication, not just right-wing conservative media. I've seen this go pretty pretty much mainstream, and I don't think he's gone to joke status yet, but he is approaching that. Or maybe about the same type of thing uh, that he could be approaching is basically, um, we just don't think he's capable I think those two things have the same effect. How much time before the end of the hour here? We got another minute and 15. Okay, let me make this point quickly then. What you just said is the key at the very end. The gaffes aren't the issue because he can almost turn that around. Hey, I'm Uncle Joe. I'm past my prime yep. and make that kind of likable. Like the oh, stand up, Paul, whatever stand that guy's name. Stand up, Chuck. Yeah, Chuck, whatever that guy's name was. Right? That, 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 I think if you're, if you're, if you want, if you're looking for an excuse to vote against Donald Trump, that won't stop you. All right. Here's though where it can where it gets dangerous. When he starts dropping bombs like I I left college I was $280,000 in debt. Yeah. And as our own Stephen Crowder pointed out he graduated from the University of Delaware in 1965 when annual tuition yep. was less than $2,000 a year. It's just Okay. Yeah. When you go see that when you go to when you go from Uncle Joe to just pure total BS artist, you're not going to out BS Donald Trump, okay? You're just not going to do that. And that's where Joe Biden can start hurting his electability is when he starts going from it's cute to now he's just flat out lying to you. They're not gaffes anymore. More in a moment. No chaser. Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. All right, we're back with Hour 2 here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. If you are listening today via the podcast, if you don't mind leaving us one of those precious five-star reviews, thousands of you have done it for us already. Thank you. The more of those we get, the more our benevolent overlords at Skynet, otherwise known as the algorithms, uh, smile upon us. And bestow us with blessings of helping us find more people like you in the digital space, which gives us higher odds of being able to continue to do this for a living. Please take a few minutes out of your day, if you don't mind, leaving us a five-star review at the podcast platform of your preference. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. One more hour to go before vacation. And I got to tell you, I've got the, the middle-aged version of senioritis right now. I'm yawning. I'm dragging. I'm looking at the clock. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'll try to pick you up. Not, just just not, kidding. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, I think we all know you're going to drag us down. Yeah. That's kind of how you roll. But. There's a list coming. <laughs> oh, you better believe no, there's a list coming. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a terrible list, too. <laughs> not Listen, I greatly appreciate what I get to do for a living, but man, I'm really looking forward to this break. All right. And I even have like a honeydew list before football weekend. And I'm even looking forward to that. 
I just want this vacation to start. I got to I got to unplug for a few days, guys. So let's get to it. One hour to go. It's time to play buy, sell or hold. Brought to you by Relief Factor. If you're one of millions of Americans struggling with chronic pain from inflammation, Relief might be one click away. It's called Relief Factor, 100% drug-free, four key all-natural ingredients, even though it's created by physicians, which means they understood that after a while, they've got to do what they can to unleash the body's God-given natural power to push back against inflammation. And that's where Relief Factor comes in. I use this product on a daily basis and I love it. I'm, 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 I got my second one talking about it again. I love this product so much. It's made such a huge difference for me. And that's why I would highly recommend it that you give it a shot as well. In fact, we've made it about as easy as we can now. A dollar a day for three weeks. It's called the starter kit. 20 bucks. That's it for three weeks to see if Relief Factor gives you the relief you've been looking for. What do you have to lose for 20 bucks? I think maybe finally, hopefully the pain. Go to relieffactor.com to try that starter kit. Again, that's relieffactor.com. So Aaron, with his help of his friends of you in the audience, is going to throw Todd and I's way a series of predictions, propositions, etc. Todd, you and I will decide, are we buying that? Are we selling it? Maybe if the audience is lucky, we might not. We might even have a halfway mediocre reason why we chose to make that choice. Once per episode, we are permitted to put a hold on something. But if it's for any reason other than it's obviously even beneath our own mediocre intellects, then we have punked out and we will be scourged and scorned, according to the dude code for doing so. Aaron. All right. We'll start with uh, Bradley Schick, who says Tom Brady will win one more Super Bowl before retiring. Bye. I'll buy. Bye. Yeah, I'll buy. Yeah, I, I just, at this point, it'd be unwise to bet against uh, Belichick and Brady. Caleb Field says, Kenobi is the only good thing that comes out of Disney's Star Wars series. So, this is the Disney Plus that's launching in November. Kenobi hasn't even started filming yet, so it's not going to launch in November. It won't be out till next year. There is the Mandalorian, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. I thought that trailer looked really good. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, John Favreau is a fan, fantastic filmmaker, guys. Yeah. Fantastic filmmaker. There's no way that's not going to be good. It's just a matter of how good. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that's fair? Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't. I don't know that we needed a Rogue One prequel series. Did that really? That was something else they announced was a Rogue One prequel series, and it's going to be. Um, just let that movie stand. Yeah, that's who's great. the guy? He's the male lead. Who kind of has the his the Hispanic guy? Who's the male yeah. lead? What's it, what was his name? Like Cassiopeia or something. I don't remember what his name was, but it's about him. Um, huh. And the and the smart-ass, smart-alecky uh, droid. All right, well. And that's who it's about. I right? didn't need it, but there's some potential there, that okay. backstory. I didn't think I needed the Mandalorian until I saw the trailer, and then I thought, I might need this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right? I thought that trailer was pretty dope. Um, so I'm going to sell. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm already over the top here on the Mandalorian. I mean, I think the idea of a Kenobi series has, has the potential for greatness. It does. Yeah. Uh, with, with Ewan McGregor unshackled by the script writing of George Lucas, mm-hmm. it has the potential for greatness. And, and where it really has the potential is to, if you're into the mythology around the, 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 the source material, you could really fill in some blanks with, a, with, a, with that period of time. Okay. So I like that idea a lot. I loved what I saw out of the Mandalorian, so I'm a sell. Yeah, I'm selling. Did you see the the new footage 
from Rise of Skywalker. Episode, episode nine. Yeah, so it's not, with, with Disney does its own version of like a Comic-Con every year. And it's like, is it called like D3 or D20? Yep, D3, or D23. D23. D23 is what it's called. And it's always the last weekend in August. And this is where they promote all their new stuff for the new year. And that's where they, they announced all these Disney Plus series as well. And, uh, and so they put together what's called a sizzle reel for the audience. It's not an actual trailer. There's still going to be another trailer for episode nine, I would assume, because we haven't had one yet, just that one teaser. Mm -hmm. And so this is a sizzle reel. It's two and a half minutes, and the first minute and a half is you know, a compilation of all of the movies up until this point, leading up to episode nine. And then last minute, there are some random uh, shots of episode nine. And I know the shot everybody's talking about is the one with Ray... In um, in with the double edged yeah. dark side lightsaber, yep. and I get why everybody's talking about that. You know what shot blew me away? All those freaking star destroyers lined up like that. I thought that shot looked incredible. And of course, okay? the emperor, the emperor, too. and the emperor yeah. at the end. Your journey's near its end. I think is what he says at yep. the end. Right? Is that what you're yep. talking about? Yep. What did you think, Todd? <sighs> it was dispiriting. I I. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm so broken. It just put it, Bill, it's because of what you said, the old movies put together. You just feel the magic being pulled out of the original trilogy by everything. And that's why this movie, even if it's standalone, it's good. It's impossible for it to be great. You can't retcon what's come before it enough. You're going to be thinking the whole movie, even if it's good, what could have been. That's the problem. I won't be. You might. You also, well, you also like the last. Jedi, I like the last Jedi. So that's yeah. not. I think okay, it's a great let's, movie. Let's yeah. move forward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> into I, the weekend. Let's park it right here for <laughs> yeah. the for for two full years. What do you think? I, I I don't know what I thought of that thing. Sizzle sizzle reel. Don't try Todd, to be all cool because Todd think, is here. Be I honest. Think, you I, liked it. I think. Um, no, I actually think Todd is kind of onto something. I did like it, but I still believe. I'm going to go in there thinking, hey, this is a great movie, but it could have been something great, greater. But I don't know. Our, uh, my, uh, my standard is pretty high now when it comes to movies ever since the Avengers uh, got over with. Uh, Constantinos Roditis says, part one, the media will continue to talk about possible recession, hoping to scare investors and cause the market to crash to help prevent Trump's reelection. You buy, sell, or hold on that. Buy. 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 I, I mean, I think that's a metaphysical certitude, man. Part two, when we do get a recession, the tech sector will have the greatest losses. <sighs> I, I, I don't know enough to answer that question. I'm, I'm, so I'm going to sell, just to be on the safe side. I'm also dubious because a lot of those are global entities now. Um, so I'm going to sell. I'll sell for, I'll take the field. Uh, and also, you know, even if a bunch of people are losing, you know, the, the tech sector is increased automation, all that stuff. We're just the momentum recession or not is going in that direction. And that's not suddenly going to go away. So I, I don't know that I, I think they might be able to hold on better than others. You know, in fact, after you mentioned automation, I could actually make it. I mean, there's, there's businesses that thrive in recessions. Sure. I wonder if the tech sector could actually be one of them. First of all, I don't know why they wouldn't, you know, they've got our data. I mean, just, you know, sell that stuff out on the black market. But the other, I, if you own McDonald's, Wendy's, think of anything um, 
Walmart, anything in the service industry. All right, you're, you're, I mean, any business's number one cost is what? Regardless overhead. of, yeah, it, and, the, it, and the number one piece of overhead is what? Employees. Employees. The human, human capital is your number one cost. I, I wonder if you could see a real purge in these service industries mm -hmm. where the tech industries just come in and say, you know what, we're just going to alleviate you on a permanent basis of, of these sorts of problems. This is an extension of all those, you go into McDonald's and you order and the touch screens when you go yeah. in. Yeah. And the, yeah, we go to a Walmart. We go, we, yeah. we do our grocery shopping there twice a month. And as a family, Amy and I go, and you're lucky, you know, we've got one of those massive super Walmarts in my suburb, like most of America does now. You're, you'll be lucky any day of the week if there's more than three lanes open. Yep. And there's like nine lanes. And you'll be lucky if more than three are open. And, and unless you're there with a full cart of groceries like we are, if you're there with anything less than that, they try to usher you into the scan it yourself area. Yep. You know, they almost have as many people working in that area as they do actually running lanes. So if we did have a recession and, and people's level of discretionary spending at a lot of these places and the, that uh, the service industry are a part of were to be cut back and human capital is your number one issue, I don't know why maybe the tech sector on some level can, can thrive in that environment. And companies like Walmart, Target, think of your largest, you know, uh, Subway. Subway would be tough because of the specialization of the sandwiches. But a, sure. a McDonald's. Um, think of your largest vendors or, or, or companies, I should say, in, in, in the service sector. I got to think they might look at maybe just alleviating this as a long-term problem. All right. So selling, selling on, uh, on the tech sector. Selling on the tech sector. Buying on the first part. Todd Saffel says the WNBA will someday rebrand itself to be more inclusive as the gender fluid NBA. I'm buying that. I don't think it'll be that clunky of a name. No, but it'll be something. Yeah, but I, I could see something like that. Yeah. You know, like the non-binary association. I, mm -hmm. I, I could see it be something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, you're, you're definitely you're definitely in in the right spirit for sure, Todd. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Gregory says after the rating success of Florida Miami game on Saturday, uh, he says it was a four point five rating. College football will start earlier and earlier in August over the next five years. So that that rating that the Florida Miami got that's the highest rated college football game ESPN's had since uh, the end of the twenty sixteen season. Wow. So three full seasons. Or three so, full years. Heck yeah, is the answer. Yeah, so I'm in favor of it. I think it's good for the players to start it a week earlier. Number one, the less time they have in the off season. And when I say the off season, I mean when school's out. The less time they have when school's out to hit the police blotter. You know what I'm saying? That's the most nervous time for any coach is June and July. You're scared to death because the only news you get it's bad news. is bad news. Someone got hurt on some non-contact drill doing seven-on-sevens or, or running hills or whatever with the strength and conditioning program or uh, somebody acted out. And if you started a week earlier at the end of August, you'd give every team an extra bye week every year too. So that's another year for another week for players to heal up, to rest, to make sure that, um, you know, where they need to be academically in the middle of the school year, they're good to go. So nobody's ineligible, you know, for bowl season and the postseason because we get a few of those every year too. So I think it's an actu it's actually a good deal for the players. And I and I do agree though with the spirit of this question. I don't think we're going to see. I think in the end, we won't see week zero be a thing for everybody because we're going to have an eighteen playoff. 
And, and ESPN's not going to want to dilute their product. No, but do I think there'll be one game every year? I'm totally fine with that. Buy. That will happen for sure with those kinds of ratings. Um, and I think coaches and ADs are going to want to do it for the reasons I'm saying. Get these guys in camp earlier, off the streets earlier, and focused earlier. So I think we'll get one of these every year. Like, Aaron's too young to remember this, Todd, but when we were growing up, the kickoff classic, remember that? Mm-hmm. That was a one, that used to be your week zero, okay? And and the first one was like in 1983, and it was Nebraska against Penn State, the defending national champion in Nebraska, beat them like 50 to nothing. But, you know, there a lot of times that would be a really good game. Two name brand programs would play in that at the end of August. And then they kind of got greedy, and then there was the pigskin classic, and the cow, and and we started getting like four of these kickoff classics a weekend. And that's when the NCAA came in and said, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And all the kickoff classics went away. And that's why you now see these neutral site games in week one. They used to be the kickoff classic games in the 80s and the 90s. So I could see us kind of go back to what the kickoff classic originally was. They used to be at the Meadowlands every year in the 80s, where there's one game a year of two marquee teams, and it's just that Saturday night as everybody's jonesing for football. I, I could see that be a thing starting as soon as next season. Like, let me give you, in fact, I'll even give you a game that I think could very well be that game next year. And it, it, it's got to be a game that was originally scheduled to be week one, so nobody has an advantage, right? Um, Michigan opens at Washington next year. Ooh. I could see that being a game under the lights in Seattle, end of August, outdoors. It's not too hot there in the Pacific Northwest that time of year. I could see that being that kind of a game. No, and I hope so. I th- th- And I, I like your passion for this because this does run a little counter to how you you know no get that you don't want you let you hated the fact that you opened up against notre dame last year you didn't want that game on your schedule and we had a good argument back i mean I, well it's notre dame i don't think big 10 teams should play notre dame that's a different situation well, i don't think big 10 because here's why you're giving them all the benefit of playing in our league without having to join the league no well that too but it was also you know why why make this your schedule is already hard enough as it is why oh well i I love the fact i mean next year there's a difference though michigan and Dame is a rivalry yeah adding a third rivalry game it you know this as a football Mm -hmm. fan the rivalry aspect throws a lot of the particularly in the college level emotion can trump talent all the time when you play a third rivalry game, that's harder than going on the road to play Oklahoma. That's harder than going on the road to play Georgia in a home and home. Because at least there's some mystery, some unfamiliarity there. They're kind of, who are these guys? You know, when you had the third rivalry game, though, that really taxes. That's a, That makes your, your non-conference schedule, I think, a lot harder. That's fair enough. Okay? But I'm really glad. I'm glad Michigan is opening up a season against Washington, and I'd rather see... Wisconsin has uh, much better than that in recent years, and we're, now we're playing Alabama. I mean, f- fantastic. We're, we probably won't win those games, but if we do, uh, wow. We used, I mean, our, our non-conference schedule used to just be laden with you know Cincinnati, Hawaii. Yeah. And Alvarez, Alvarez built the program that way. I would argue you got two years of momentum from that game against LSU that you won in 2016. Oh, yeah. Because that was I supposed to yeah. be the, the impossible schedule. I know. And winning that game against a top-five team in LSU that, that first week of 2016. I think if you look at the success the team had that year and the year after in 2017, I, I think it all stems back to winning that game. I believe it. Yeah. 
All right, moving on and beating a dead horse. Eddie says the rise of Skywalker will be the greatest <laughs> Star Wars movie ever made. So, yeah, moving on. Uh, I'm going to sell because it's tough to top The Empire Strikes Back. It's the No, it's hold. The, it's the greatest science no. fiction film of all time. You do not believe even in theory that this movie could possibly be better. There's no way. I I do think I, I would not predict it. It's not even possible. But I think it's possible. Why? I, I, I'm going to answer it. Here's why I think it's possible. Okay. <laughs> Say it! Say it! <laughs> Mr. Kinnison, can I answer before you send me back to the Rice Paddy Delta, please? I'm on it. Now I know how I make other people feel. He was good. He was ready to pounce, man. Pounce! So that's what it's oh, like, no, huh? you did That's what it's like. Now I know. All right, I'll try to be more sensitive next time. All right, um... The desire they have to remember, we've talked about if you know, Marble's totally going full social justice warrior, mm -hmm. and I think we had this come up in a previous buy seller hold. Uh, it will it, it'll fail, and Marvel will admit its mistake. And I said, Hey, it will fail, but they'll never admit their mistake, they don't operate that way. What they'll do is they'll just, they'll just change the way they're making the movies back to where there's broader appeal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It'll be temporary, you know? Um, and then if, 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 if putting a gay hero in the, and Kevin Feige said yesterday that it's just going to be a guy who's married or a woman who's married didn't say it was male or female, but the character's married and it's just part of their lives. If they just mention it in passing and nobody cares, one of two things will happen. The, the woke crowd will say that's not good enough and they'll try to up the ante more later. That so will happen. happen. Okay. Or, They'll think, okay, we got away with it. We, and that's, yeah, yeah. Chances are they'll probably try to up the ante. When they try to up the ante and it blows up, they'll never say that. They'll never, these guys never admit when they're wrong. What they'll do is they'll just, just go back quietly to making stories that wider audiences want to see. And they're never going to admit. I mean, they still have Ryan Johnson is still working on a future trilogy for the Star Wars universe right now. They're never going to admit that criticisms of people like Todd and Aaron are correct about The Last Jedi. They're never going to say that. That's not how lefties work. But I think bringing back J.J. Abrams, I think, I th and, and looking at the way the movie looks, looking, listening to what the actors and the cast members are saying, from Daisy Ridley to who's the gal who plays um, Rose. What's her name? Don't know. Who cares? Okay, that nobody can't stand. She seems like she's supposed to be like a really nice Christian girl, by the way. Um, Trying to guilt trip us? <laughs> Jesus juking this thing? Come on! It, it's impossible for us to have a real conversation about this, isn't it? Um, but the way that the cast and stuff is talking, fan service is at a very high premium in this film. They they clearly understand that that they their reach exceeded their grasp. They, they went way outside the lines. And with, with J.J. Abrams' talent and capabilities, and keep in mind, George Lucas is one of his idols. That's why he took this on. I, I could see him saying, I, I'm going to agree to do this on one condition, that I, that I get to make an Empire Strikes Back level movie. And and therefore, I'm not tethered by what Ryan Johnson did in the last uh, last Jedi. So 
I, I, I mean, I think the chances are 10% that it's a better movie than Empire Strikes Back because how do you do better than the GOAT? But I think that there's there's going to be more of a sincere effort to, to hit that stratosphere with this movie. I think they understand. And I think that's what the commemoration was about. This idea that we're going to close this chapter once and for all. The fact that they're openly saying you'll be very satisfied by how we close this chapter. Um, I There's a level of self-awareness being practiced here, not arrogance. And that's why I'm optimistic. That answer your question? Yep. May not be the answer you like, but at least it's an answer, right? Okay. All righty. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to Richie Angel, who actually, I think this one is really good. It is Star Wars related, but I think this this is a very good one. And I want us just to add a degree of difficulty to take these together, not one at a time. So sell on the whole thing or buy on the whole thing. The Lord of the Rings movies are better than the Star Wars original trilogy. The Star Wars sequels are better than the Hobbit trilogy. Well, the second one's not even in dispute, in my view. Um, so the, the Star Wars sequels, so the early 2000s ones, those are better than the Hobbit yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think The Phantom Menace is a terrible movie. Attack of the Clones is not much better. I think Revenge of the Sith is better than any of the Hobbit movies, and I think Force Awakens better than any of the Hobbit movies, and I think The Last Jedi is better than any of the Hobbit movies. Um, the first one is really close. But if I if if you gave me all three of the movies together, I'd take the Lord of the Rings. But it's really close, and and I think the reason it's close is because of the nostalgia of my childhood. You know, if I'd never seen those movies before and I watched them now, I'd probably be like, "This Star Wars stuff is great. I totally get why you guys like it." But this Lord of the Rings man is uh, next level. I mean, this is. That's where I'm kind of. That's that's where I am because yeah, because you weren't alive when we did Return of the when yeah. You didn't go I, see I, Return I, of the I, Jedi at the theater. I enjoy I enjoy all the the original Star Wars movies. Yeah. I enjoy them, but when I go back and watch them now, I still kind of cringe at some of the cheese there. I sure. there are no cringeworthy moments in yeah. Lord of the Rings. It's all just fantastic. And that's why I think the only reason I think it's close on the former is because of my nostalgia from my childhood. Sure. But I think I'm probably. I'm probably going to buy that. Yeah, I, th I think with some argument uh, readily available, I think I can buy this as it stands. Cool. Moving on. Jeffrey Richardson says, Labor Day is a horrible holiday. So you woke up on the wrong side. Of yeah, the I mean, what, a day off with pay. What's what's terrible about that? Do you know? Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm good. Okay. I mean, is it because it was some kind of socialist workers construct or something i'm guessing that's probably his uh i'm guessing that's probably his well you know what the the pagan secularists get to take christmas off and easter despite how much <laughs> they hate true. what we believe yeah. so we get to take what they we, we take their holidays off i like them apples yeah yeah i'm good all right yeah all righty uh moving that's on that's the wrong question to ask us as we're as about we're to no, get going into the yeah. that one yeah uh, Paul Howard says Andrew Luck sits this year but plays next year i'm Ow. selling on that <laughs> Uh, I'm selling as well. I'll sell, but I do think he will play again. I do. Um, the amount of the amount he this is he's a naturally gifted athlete. Okay, no question. But he's not, and I've got a little experience with this because the other two guys that do this in recent NFL history were my favorite team: Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders. Calvin Johnson did it after 
hit the season and Barry Sanders did it right at the start of training camp. All right. So I, I know those two careers closely. Barry, both of them incredibly God-given. And listen, if you're an athlete at this level, you're a hard worker, all right? But there's being a hard worker and then there's a devotion to craft. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. And especially Barry was never around in the offseason. Didn't go to any mini camps. Just didn't do anything with the team on any level at all. Just showed up at camp. Calvin was 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 more diligent in the offseason than Barry, but wasn't really a vocal leader on the team, kept to himself, was kind of his own guy. This guy is a vocal leader and he's a craftsman. He's he's they're all great athletes and they're all hard workers, but he was a craftsman at the same time. I mean he he learned how to play last he when he got it he played differently last year and was one of his best seasons. He he evolved from a, a Nolan Ryan kind of a pitcher to a Greg Maddox because of the shoulder injury he had to learn how to throw the ball differently and play the sport differently and he still put up monster numbers you don't do that on a lark right? you're a craftsman and I, I think when you are both that gifted and a craftsman it's hard to walk away wondering what else did I have left in the tank right now he's asking himself do I have anything left in the tank and that's why he is walking away but in a couple of years, I could definitely see him get up and say, man, I did everything in this sport except the one thing that's the most important to me. Especially, let's say Tom Brady retires in a couple of years. That's where I was. And I could see an Andrew Luck saying, you know, there's an opening here to do something that maybe wasn't there before. So I think one year might be a little soon because he hasn't had his kid yet. Yep. And I could see him, you know... Um, sitting out but i don't think it's I, I do think he's going to play again yeah i yeah just some time to recharge and actually how about tom brady outlived peyton manning and andrew luck both that's nuts <laughs> it's just nuts lots of star wars lots of star wars ones today. i like it uh nathan davis says star wars episode nine will do better than the next three mcu movies combined oh that's an easy buy oh combined yeah. combined oh no right, so so not combined no, individually. It might be individually. Uh, yeah, that's an easy buy. Based on, I can't even remember what I mean. It might be closer than you think, though. But I. Well, what are the next three? Yeah. Next year's Black Widow. Yep. Is the spring movie right? Yep. And then the fall movie is the Eternals. Yes. Yeah, All right. So a fringe character that but, but people love, but who was killed off. Yeah. So everybody knows so there's, there's like, no future for the character. Yeah. All right. Prequel. All right, and so and then. And it kind of strikes me as they're giving the woke crowd a nod because they killed off one of the lead female characters. So they're giving her own movie, but it doesn't look like it's going to add anything to the larger narrative. And then the Eternals, the characters that almost nobody knows anything about. I didn't know who they were, and I'm pretty yeah. knowledgeable here. So, And isn't the third one the Chinese one? And is Shang-Chi or and Chai is, yeah. the next one? Yeah. And it's going to yeah. be close. And if that thing doesn't like really have your boy, the Mandarin, like being like huge and awesome, it's going to be close, man. So the so if we're, are we just talking domestic, I assume, right? Domestic. Okay, yeah. th so this is going to be a billion-dollar movie. Yeah. Will those three movies make a billion dollars combined? I'm not so sure. It's, it's going to be close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could each make $300 million, which is a monster number. Yeah. But it wouldn't be what Episode Nine will make. Who was it that put the, Who was it that had that? 
Uh, this is Nathan Davis. That's one, Nathan. That's one of those that we immediately dismiss because it looked like a hot yeah. take. Yeah. And then we were the ones actually doing the hot take by immediately dismissing you. That's there's more there. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy. I think you might be onto something there. I think I'm still selling, but I it's it's closer it. than we yeah, originally yeah. thought when we start working it out. Right. More buy seller hold coming your way next right here on Blaze TV Radio Podcast. Stay tuned. So that the world may know, this is Steve Dace. Hey, one more time. Historic data breach. Two of the biggest companies for data in the world. Amazon and Capital One. At least over 100 million Americans' identities are threatened right now. Good thing if you have identity theft protection, you're probably not sweating it too much. You're not too much concerned about somebody uh, getting a credit card or, or, or 12 in your name or raiding your PayPal account uh, for their for, or your iTunes account. But now, though, they have your identification to log on to third party. Uh, entities that you access, like for example, your home, your home mortgage lender, uh, where your home's title is kept. All right, and and here's what they have: like the last four digits of a social security number, what you might use to verify that you're you. They use that information to claim they're you. Sign your home's title over to themselves, and then cash out your equity using your home as collateral, sticking you with the payments. Don't let that happen to you. Home Title Lock is here to protect you in the first. The first couple of months, the first 60 days after a massive data breach like this are vital because that's when you're the most vulnerable Vulnerable before the breach is closed. That's why our friends at Home Title Lock today are offering all of you 60 risk-free days of protection right now at HomeTitleLock.com for your most important investment, your home. 60 risk-free days of protection right now at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Let's continue with buy, sell, or hold. Aaron. Moving on to Jim Stalker, who says Justin Amash will throw his hat into the race to primary Trump. Sell. Sell. I, I think if he runs, it's far more likely he's going to try to run as the Libertarian Party candidate. So, yeah, so. He's already left the Republican Party. Yeah. Yep. So. Moving on to uh, International House of Bow. When Ohio State plays the team up north in November, both teams will have one loss, and the game will decide who wins the Big Ten East division. Um, buy. I'll buy. I, I think it's possible one or both teams could actually have two losses. Agreed. And then the game will still decide who wins the East division. But the you know the the overall spirit of what yeah. you're asserting, I'll buy. Yeah. Yep. Both buying. All right. Jacob Hibbard says honoring the Star Wars original trilogy by quote unquote subverting it is the same thing as Obama saying he loved America but wanted to fundamentally change it. Bye. If you believe that what Ryan Johnson was trying to do was subvert the trilogy, I don't. But if you do, like Todd and Aaron do, that's a good analogy, so I'll buy it. Gotcha. And Ira Kaikoa says Mount Rushmore of National Parks, Zion, Yellowstone, Yosemite, Glacier. Have you guys been to any of those? I haven't been to any of those. I haven't been to any of those. I have been to all but Yosemite. So, you okay. buying or selling? What do you think? I mean, it's, yeah, that's those are, I mean, those strong. are headliners. I've never even heard of Zion National Park. Never yeah. Utah. I, Utah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, not this my one, bag. Yeah. You know, if you want to, if you have a virtual tour, if, if I can go like in VR, I'll check it out. But <laughs> That's also one of the most Dacian things ever said. <laughs> Does this do come I, do in virtual reality? 
I'll take a VR tour and I'll let yeah. you know which one I like best. Yes. Uh, I think this one is You good. know, I'm telling the truth. I'm being serious. <laughs> no. Elliot, this is going to break Todd. Elliot Evans said three words, pumpkin spice vinegar. What's the difference between pumpkin spice and apple cider vinegar? What's the difference? It's, it's pumpkin you spice. You can't make vinegar out of pumpkin. There's, there's no... No. No. No, no, no. You're um, into all the superfoods yeah. now, too. You gotta come correct. Just, the- just add some pumpkin pie flavoring to apple cider vinegar. Voila. You have pumpkin spice vinegar. You guys ever drink that? uh, This is, I'm not, your voodoo alchemy you're trying to preach here. No, you just can't do this. (laughs) It's wrong. Can't or won't. Can't or won't. (laughs) You guys ever drink that uh, kombucha stuff? Yep. I think I've had it before. Yeah. What do you think, God? Oh, it's good. Yeah. It's, 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 it's good stuff. It's, it's very good stuff. Yeah. Was I right about the Werner's ginger ale? Yep told you yep it's like uh it's like butterbeer from mm-hmm. harry potter world a berserker capital says if anyone primaries trump from the right he will still win but it'll mark the end of the republican party on the presidential stage what does that mean at the so end? the presidential stage meaning actually a republican in the white house i will buy yeah i i think he would still win but the damage that it would do it would be far more damaging than Reagan primarying. The last time we had a, um, well, we had Buchanan primary Bush from the right. You had uh, Dol- or, or uh, Reagan primary Ford from the right. They both lost. Um, when you primary your your party's champion from the direction of the base, um, you don't win. I mean, you had Kennedy primary Carter from the left. Uh, I. I'm hesitating only because I, you have a clown. I mean, you, have, you have dueling clown shows. And we can't ever forget that, okay? Um, before, you had dueling ideologies with a, with a somewhat defined mainstream. You know, the, the mainstream in the 70s was a little more left of center after the counterculture, but it, we, there was still a defined mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really know what our defined mainstream is right now. And that... that that puts an an aura of uncertainty. I but if the spirit of your assertion, Berserker, is that challenging Trump from the right would would damage his presidential prospects, even if you lost to him. I agree. And the reason why it would is it would also it would also just as these debates have kind of called out the Marxist entities within the democratic party primarying trump from the right on the issues puts so much of what we call conservative media and sort these sorts of things on notice it would be the effect of getting jim bop to come out on camera and go down to your legislature on video and say don't be pro-life we're just here to be republican hacks yeah and and while it wouldn't sway 20 or 30 percent of the primary electorate it just wouldn't tribalism is too embedded when it could absolutely sway two to five percent of it and and that two to five percent in a way that like they won't show up in the general they'll be like i can't lie to myself anymore and they don't show up in the general you're toast 
So I, I, I do think that has the potential of, of having that kind of damage. I do. So I'll buy. It'll never happen. Is this person saying it'll end the, it'll end the I think we're talking about this election. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was asking yeah. beyond yeah. this election. It's not saying that in your estimation? I like don't permanently? think so. Permanently? Yeah. Uh, uh, narrowly by, but the, oh, and I'm, in order to do that, I'm basically ignoring the one whose dumbest last loses for the sake of answering this question. So I'll narrowly buy. Understood. Well, I can tell our batteries are starting to get really low and uh, things are starting to wind down for us. We've only got about 10 minutes left, so I think it's time for a list. Ugh. Steve is going to love this list. <laughs> if I had a here's, here's if my, I had a lighter, I'd be out here like this. Here's my thoughts end. on your list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah. This is going feel like to, I'm entering is, the Hunger Games. This is uh, this is according to the top tens, which is a website that ranks the top tens of things, as you might imagine or estimate from the title of the website. As always with lists, uh, you buy if you agree where the proposition is on this list. You sell if you don't agree, and you hold um, if uh, if you really don't know. That's hardly ever used, though. For can lists. I just hold in contempt the, on the, every on every option? Hold yeah. in contempt. Hold in contempt. <laughs> I hope you do. We'll uh, we'll hold you in contempt of the uh, in contempt of the show. So in the final ten minutes here, the top ten most overrated bands. Of all time. Oh no, this has some promise. Okay, let me sit up straight. This is not okay. uh, this is not Rolling Stone, so um, I still don't think you're going to like this. Number ten is Radiohead. Oh. Did you ever get into those? No. Yeah. Did they have what was the one? Karma uh, Police. Karma. They just they're a bunch of they're a bunch of uh, em- emos basically. Who does the? Because I'm a loser. Slow song. I'm thinking of the guy, and then he starts screaming. Uh, is that not Radiohead? Is that somebody else? Because um, so yeah, I'm even... a creep. Yes, da, creep da, da, is what da, da, I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, that's that's Radiohead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll do a total buy. Yeah, I'm in. I'm selling because I don't... They're not even... That's oh, why you should buy. Not even on your radio, that's radar. Why you should, that's no, exactly why even, you should buy. But they're not over... They're just like... Who's growing around saying oh, Radiohead's great out of turn? Oh, yep. there are a ton. Yeah, there's, there's there, a ton yeah. of people who love And Fish better be on this list too, by the way. If they're not... Yeah, fish then, aren't they? Aren't they? Uh, the the yeah. what? What is the? They're the Grateful Dead knockoff. Oh, never mind. Wannabes. I, well, I'm yeah. not aware of any. That's got to be my. Ba- I'm just not aware of any great overdose. Imagine of- the Grateful Dead, all the same, uh, the exact everything's the same except the music's not good. That's fish. Understood. Number nine. This one's a little bit newer of a po- proposition, and I'm totally buying this as well. In Missy Elliott. I think I think this should be like uh, really high on the list, and it's Twenty One Pilots. Uh, you, you guys I don't even know, know this song? Yeah, uh, now I'm stressed out. Uh, you, it's just a song. It's a millennial complaining about how he's an adult now, and so he's stressed out. I know Ninety Nine left waff balloons, but I and you I know Stone know Temple Pilots. You don't not you don't know Twenty One Pilots, but I don't know Twenty One Pilots. Yeah. Did you know that Miss? So did you know they were still doing VMAs? What video music? Yeah. Or? Did you know? No. So the, I I I, I, get a, I I got up this morning. I'm checking Twitter, and there's all this stuff about Missy Elliott and VMAs. <clears throat> and I'm like, ah, oh, they must have done like a replay of like the VMAs in 1999, like Missy Elliott, you know, before Little Kim went to prison, you know. 
And then I and then I realized that no, they were live last night, and and apparently she came back from the dead or something to be like their their new performer. I had no idea they were even still doing these. I don't even know. Is it? Where's this list even? Is this list like have any bands that are? Yeah, yeah, we're like we're, older we're, than we're, yesterday. We're, we're we're getting there. Okay. I have to there. hold on in good conscience because I don't believe I can render violence. a verdict on a band I'm yeah. not aware of. But that's why you should say sell. It, you can't be overrated if people aren't aware of you. You're just that's not being not being relevant is different than we overrated. Should, you know what we nope. should do? There's overrated, underrated. One day we should do a list of rated. Yes. <laughs> is this just rated properly? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, number eight is, and I hate this, but I think it is true. It's probably right where it should be on the list is cold play if they would have stopped after viva la vida total, yeah i'm with you on that sell. yeah i'll buy but uh, yeah. since viva la vida it's yeah I'll, like, I'll i'll buy on that it's just mm. stop yeah you I'll guys buy. you guys did fine that just sounds like a band that doesn't sound you like know overrated we, we're see we're all gonna know unanimously like when one comes up oh yeah that's clearly over this I, that just seems like a band who had it good and isn't quite as good again that that's just like moving on with life yeah, I feel like right now we are in like the first two hours of Avengers Endgame where it's like really slow, but we're building. Uh, number seven is Metallica. Oh, sell. I'll buy. Only album of theirs I like because I hate that. I hate that music. I hated it my whole life. Can't stand metal. it. Metal. Yes. Yep. Especially the speed metal. And screamo. Yep. The only album of theirs, Master of Puppets. All I hate all that stuff only album of theirs I liked is the one that gets, gets panned because it was supposed to be their sellout album the black album that has Enter Sandman oh, Unforgiven yeah. mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. Unforgiven is a, is a great freaking song alright so that's the only album of theirs I like and, and, and their true fans supposedly hate it because that was the album where they sold out so if the only album you like from a band is the one that their fans say is their sellout album they have to be overrated in your mind so I'm, I'm buying <laughs> And no. you're selling, Todd. I'm selling. All right, number six. AC Do you like that speed metal DC. crap? No, I don't like it. But I just think they they've stood the test of time. They've shown an ability to have different kinds of sounds. They uh, they still draw crowds. You got to like the singer because he's he like moved out of California because he was sick of all the liberal PCs. That's true. So, come on, let's. That's true. I, 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 I'm still selling, but I'm, I'm, it's a friendlier sell. <laughs> number six <laughs> or buy whatever. is ACDC. Oh come on, man, sell sell that's obvious that's just who who that's rock and roll baby that's just rock and roll i mean this is the quintessential rock band one of i mean this is has any does has any group been more covered by cover bands like ever than them probably not probably not i mean it's just that's a that's a ridiculous take yep you suck and did matt walsh do this list no no, I'm just okay. The so U two is out. U two is the next most overrated band, followed by the Beatles, right? Because Matt <laughs> well, Walsh did the list. Well, okay. Well, all right. So well, that, that's a terrible, terrible, well, rotten take. Rotten take. Well, terrible. Yeah. Well, number five is Led Zeppelin. Oh come on, come on. That, this isn't true. You're making this up nope. now. You're trolling me. <laughs> nope. So we're selling. Mama, I, mom, ma, mama says the reason alligators are so cranky um, is because they well, never heard Houses of the Holy. I'm, I, listen, I will say on What this, the hell? Led Zeppelin's is, overrated? I don't know what is overrated about Led Zeppelin. You mean yeah. other than the fact that they're the, they're the foundational band for 
what an entire yeah. genre of, of music that came for the next 20, you know, 30 yeah. years after them. If, Other than that, though, I, I think they've really been way overblown. Yeah. If, if they just had one guy with like particular, like it, it here, for me, Led Zeppelin, like the Beatles are overrated to me relative to Led Zeppelin. I, I get, I really like Led Zeppelin more than I like the Beatles. But I, I, I would never say the put the Beatles on a list as overrated because they are just. They right, are you're not the saying the Beatles are overrated. You're just saying you prefer Led Zeppelin, I right? Gotcha. But I think some of these okay. the person who made this list may have that confused. If if they just think like I don't, I like all these things more than this, so I'm going to put them on my overrated list. The, you know, to me, Zeppelin and the Who are similar in that. You could argue, you could make an argument. Like if you did an all-star rock band, you can make an argument that every member of that band yeah. could be the person. That Roger Daltrey could be the greatest front man ever. That Robert Plant could be. That uh, that Jimmy Page could be the best guitar lead guitar songwriter ever. Or Pete Townsend could be. Yeah. That John Paul Jones could be the best bassist ever. Or John Entwistle could be. And then especially when you get to the drummers. You talk about John Bonham, you're talking about Keith Moon. Those might be the two greatest rock drummers of all time. They both drank themselves to death, by the way. So, I mean, that's that's a garbage take. Sell. Number, and everyone's fired. Number four is One Direction. Total buy. Yeah, I have to buy that on principle. Boy band. This is a yeah. straight heterosexual God, white male. I have to buy. List. Yeah. yeah. What a weird yeah. list. This yeah. is a very weird list. Number three, Linkin Park. Also buy. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know... I guess I'll buy. I didn't know how people rated them. I just kind of thought they were. I've known a couple songs and they were okay. Yeah, yeah, moving on. They're just overrated. Number two, uh, here's the part where, uh, yeah, um, number two is the Beatles. <laughs> I mean, it's just. <laughs> See, <laughs> uh, this is, no, no, forget about whether you like them or not. This is like saying, you know, I just don't think, I think George Washington was overrated. Yeah. I mean, you understand, like, none of the rest of this thing you call pop music occurs without them. This is just like, like none of it. This is iconoclasm is what this yeah, is. Yeah, this is just dumb. This is this is a right. dumber take yeah. than the Zeppelin one. The Zeppelin yeah. inspired a genre of music. Um, these guys inspired an entire industry of it. So I, I, I can't even fathom it. And, and I say that I'm a huge fan. It's just a dumb take, though. Uh, number one most overrated band, according to the top tens, is um, Nirvana. Oh, I'll buy that. Totally in on yeah. that. Foo Fighters is a lot. Foo Fighters is a lot better than Nirvana. In fact, I think Foo Fighters is the best modern band since you two. And of course, the connection is Dave Grohl was in was the drummer for Nirvana, and he's the lead singer guitarist for Foo Fighters. Here's where that, and I I remember having this. Feeling. I did all the live reads. Did I read your lips that time, right? Yes. Because I'm ter- I yeah. suck at reading lips. Okay. I had this right. feeling at the time when I was living it. Like, what's the deal, guys? They're not that good. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I The thing is, you know what song of theirs I, that was a hit? I disliked Smells Like Teen Spirit the most. I hated the song. I still can't stand it. I don't like the video. I think Come As You Are, I love that song. In Bloom, great song. Um, What's the one I'm thinking of? Um, All Apologies, the one that they did Unplugged? Mm-hmm. Great tune. But yeah, I don't. I, I think Stone Temple Pilots was better. Pearl Jam was definitely better. Foo Fighters vastly superior. Now, in fairness, when your lead singer offs himself, you know, with only one album in the in the in the resume, it's or two albums in the resume. There's not much of you know of a margin for error. I will 
I will grant that point. Okay. For the rest of you, have a great rest of your week. We will see you after the Labor Day weekend. Definitely listen to Foo Fighters over Nirvana. And stay out of the ditch. Overtime coming your way for our Blaze TV subscribers. For everybody else, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.